Does a diagnosis of ADHD qualify an adult for special accommodations under the ADA? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothills Psychiatry in Boise, your host. And with me today is Dr. Kevin Anschel. Dr. Anschel is an Assistant Professor of Psychiatry at SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. He is a Director of the Adult ADHD Treatment and Research Program and is a clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of ADHD. He has published widely on ADHD and learning disabilities. Welcome to ReachMD. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dr. Anshul, what kinds of problems do adults with ADHD have in the workplace? As a function of their ADHD, adults with ADHD oftentimes have difficulty in the occupational domain. My own work as a director of our adult ADHD treatment and research program It isn't uncommon to come across adults with ADHD who either have difficulty obtaining work or have difficulty maintaining work. Problems that these adults have are oftentimes things like they're late for work, they're disorganized, they're forgetful, they have a tendency to procrastinate, and as a function of their procrastination, they have difficulties working in groups or team settings in the workplace. They tend to be impulsive and they act before they think. You know, they tend to be restless if they have a two-hour training seminar. It's highly difficult for them to be able to maintain their focus or to maintain their composure throughout. So adults with ADHD, you know, it's quite common for them to have occupational impairments. Do these impairments rise to the level that the ADA would consider relevant? Yes. I mean, I think that that's a great question. And the ADA, as you know, is law. And the middle initial in the ADA is a disability. And ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And there is a difference between a disorder and a disability. A disorder is a medical legal term. It essentially says that compared to others in the individual's age and or gender, this particular individual has less abilities to control their attention or whatever it may be. A disability is a legal term, and an individual is considered to have a disability if they have an impairment that substantially limits one or more life activities. And not everyone with ADHD will qualify as having a disability under the ADA. So just having an ADHD diagnosis does not in and of itself entitle a person to having ADA accommodations. ADA accommodations are quite helpful and useful for individuals who rise to the level of a disability. And so the, you know, the type of accommodations that these individuals may need are more flexible work schedules, help in being able to manage more of the paperwork aspects of the job, more administrative support. And so there, I mean, there's a wide range of accommodations that these individuals may need, but not Everyone with ADHD will be entitled to these accommodations under the ADA. So as a provider, how do you know? Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's a very good question. And I think that's a question which, unfortunately, not too many of us who are out there in the field really have a lot of experience or got a lot of training with. I mean, I think it would probably not hurt for the clinician, him or herself, to become acquainted with the ADA or to be able to consult with an attorney who has experience in the ADA because if you were to have an individual 
to request accommodations under the ADA at their work sites, um, it will entail them having to disclose that they have a psychiatric disorder. And so what you're attempting to avoid is the individual disclosing they have ADHD and he or she is not eligible for any kind of ADA accommodations under the law. And so having the opportunity to consult with an attorney or knowing the ADA well enough, it will help you in knowing how best to counsel your patients and also, you know, which types of patients may have an ADA-related case and which type of patients aren't going to have an ADA-related case. So the patient may end up in a worse situation than they began with, right? I think it has the potential to do that. And that's why any time that I, as a clinician, begin to hear about difficulties in the workplace that involve things like hiring and firing, compensation, training, recruitment, other things like that. And, I mean, I begin to ask myself, is this going to be an individual who would qualify under the ADA? And if the answer to my question is usually no, I don't usually entertain the idea of ADA-related accommodations with that individual, or I seek a second opinion from attorneys that I work with, and I ask them about the case, and I see if this is the kind of case that I think has potential. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Kevin Anschel. We are discussing ADHD and the ADA. Now, Dr. Angel, what kind of accommodations might these patients be able to get in their workplace? I mean, I think there are a number of occasions in which an individual is eligible for ADA accommodations, and the accommodations prove quite helpful. So, for example, I mean, I can speak from my own experience in individuals with ADHD. You know, they tend to do a lot better if there is consistent routine, if there's a structure to the workplace. And so, I mean, I was working with a young lady who was a computer technician, and the work orders used to come to her in a random kind of haphazard way, like she would be in the lunchroom and an individual would come up and tell her about the work order. And as a function of ADHD, she really didn't have any way, you know, to organize herself, or it was much harder for her to organize herself. And so, you know, in ADA-related accommodations was that there became a work order that uh, individuals had to complete. Um, they could complete it online. They could complete it in the office. And that helped her to organize herself and helped her to keep them all clear and straight. And so um, this had to come at the organizational level. And so an ADA-related accommodation was to have change in policy. Other ADA-related accommodations, you know, could be a more flexible work schedule if the individual has difficulty getting to work by nine, but they're able to stay later and they're more productive in the afternoon, you know, not lessening the amount of time that the individual is there, but having a more flexible work day. So there's accommodations like those, other accommodations like having a quiet, non-distracting environment in which to be able to work. Um, these are other things that can be helpful, and these are other accommodations that may enable the individual to be able to work to their potential. So often, clinically, coexisting substance abuse muddies the water in patients, especially adults with ADHD. How might that affect this whole ADA issue? It absolutely impacts the individual with ADHD in the workplace, and it absolutely has the potential to make them even more impaired in the workforce. Substance abuse is an entity that is covered under the ADA, and so an individual who has a substance abuse diagnosis 
is eligible for ADA-related accommodations. And so, you know, I mean, if an employer acts on the basis of such use or apparently a person who is currently using alcohol is not automatically denied protection under the ADA. And so, you know, an employer is able to discipline or to deny employment to an individual with a substance abuse when, you know, the use of the drug adversely affects job performance or conduct, yet an individual uh, isn't able to be denied employment or disciplined simply a function of having a substance abuse diagnosis. Again, it has to affect the job performance or the conduct on the job. Now, how about kids? Do kids with ADHD get special treatment for things like the SATs? Yes, they are eligible. And again, this is an ADA-related entity, and this is a different law than the Individual Disabilities Education Act, which is often referred to by its acronym, the IDEA. And the ADA, it is more stringent in how they define a disability. And so for things like the SAT or in college, unlike high school and elementary school, which are operating on the IDEA and the ADA, the colleges and SAT, LSAT, the medical board of examiners, et cetera, are all operating under the ADA. And the ADA, as I've alluded to, has a more stringent requirement. Yet the children and adolescents, who I guess more adolescents who are going to be taking the SATs, are eligible for extended time. But just as we have alluded to earlier, just having an ADHD diagnosis is necessary but not sufficient towards gaining ADA accommodations, which include things like extra time. And as you would imagine, this is an area of controversy, and there's a lot of individuals who all of a sudden acquire an ADHD diagnosis in high school when there really isn't a clear history of ADHD symptoms or impairment. You know, oftentimes those individuals are denied accommodations on SAT or LSAT as um, a function of the ADHD diagnosis not impairing their functioning mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. or The timing is suspicious, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are someone who would agree with you, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show to discuss this thorny issue. Sure, it's been my pleasure. We've been discussing the ADA as it relates to ADHD patients with Dr. Kevin Anschel. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.